This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and today we're talking NBA playoffs with the Ringer's very own Michael Pina. It's going to be a jam-packed show. We'll talk about Celtics Heat Game 4 and just some of the uh, looming big-picture questions in the NBA at large. Um, again, this is going to be a jam-packed show. So, Michael Pina, coming up right now, let's get to it. All right, joining us now, we've got the Ringers' very own Michael Pena to come on and explain to us what is actually happening in the conference finals. A lot of people's brains have been broken by what they've seen on the basketball court, so we'll do our very best today to figure all that out. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Of course, Dave. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I uh, I love your Latte Larry's hat. Uh, I think that's putting us in a good mood, a comical mood. We need that, a jovial <laughs> mood, so to speak, uh, to get everything going because there's a lot of heartbroken fans in the NBA, and they represent two of the biggest and most well-known franchises in the NBA. Let's start in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? The Boston Celtics, they are down 3-0 right now to the Miami Heat, and there's a lot of conversations about why this is happening, and I want to start there because we always want to point the finger, right? That That's the society that we live in, especially when you talk about the NBA and things like this. So I'll ask you the simple question. Who is to blame for the Celtics being down 0-3 right now to the Boston, or to the Miami Heat? When you lose a game like they did in Game 3, which is just a total unraveling in every shape and form. I think everyone deserves a slice of blame blame pie in Boston. Uh, Joe Mazzulla for his rotational decisions throughout this series and throughout the playoffs have been very questionable. He did not play Grant Williams in game one, played Peyton Pritchard in game one for some reason after Peyton Pritchard was out of the rotation the entire postseason. Uh, Hasn't played Derek White, who was debatably the third best player on the team throughout the regular season. Uh, as many minutes as one would expect against a uh, a hot three-point shooting team. You want your only player who made an all-defensive team uh, to be on the court as much as possible. Derek White hasn't really played enough. Uh, Missoula didn't close game two with Rob Williams, who was the second or third best player on the Celtics in that Feels game, like which was a very curious shot the entire series, you know, and I may be, I think that's accurate. That. Yeah. But every single time he shoots, <laughs> I feel like it goes in. Yeah. Um, but like the players are not without blame uh, either. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two for 20 behind the three point arc in this series. Jalen Brown has 10 assists and 11 turnovers, which is absolutely not you not what you want from someone who is super max eligible this offseason. Uh, Al Horford's outside shot has absolutely deserted him. And Marcus Smart, after a 10 assist first half in game one, 
look like, uh, you know, playmaking extraordinaire has made some of the worst decisions you'll ever see an NBA point guard make in high leverage situations, just throwing the ball to uh, players in heat jerseys for no discernible reason. Um, but you also have to kind of credit the heat, I think. So there's like blame, obviously, to go around in, in Boston. But the Miami Heat, like the term make or miss league is so reductive and uh, kind of excuses strategic moves and right. the genius of Eric Spolstra and all that stuff. And I think so much goes into winning and losing an NBA game. And that's kind of a dumb thing to say. But like the Heat are shooting... Like their shooting splits are 52 from the field, 48 from behind the three point line and 85 from the free throw line. Like that is uh, historic. Like their effective field goal percentage is nearly 12 percentage points higher than their shot quality, which is a gap that is higher than any in second spectrum's database. So like in layman's terms, that basically means that the Miami Heat are the quote unquote luckiest shooting team any team has ever uh, that any team has ever experienced in a playoff series um, in over 10 years. So like it's hard to overcome historically hot shot making. And Boston has obviously not been up to task to do that either. And their effort level has been really poor. So there's a lot of blame to go around, but you got to give credit where it's due. Like Miami's making really difficult shots and have for this entire series. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people, obviously, people want to point the finger at Joe Missoula. I thought after the game, after game three, he went into the past press conference and said that there was a script of coach speak. They're like, this is what you're supposed to say after a loss. Yeah. It felt like he checked every single box. And he did kind of shed a light on the idea that maybe these guys haven't, you know, to put it, you know, in a, in a very strong sense, have quit on him. He just said that, you know, he didn't get them prepared for this game and things like that. But Jason Tatum has been a no-show in the fourth quarter. You mentioned Jalen Brown's struggles. Um, just from a big-picture standpoint, these are your top two guys. These are your 1A players. Um, is there a panic button moment when you just, you know, take a big-picture grand scale look at the Boston Celtics and their top two stars? I don't think you panic because Tatum is 25, Jalen is 26, I believe. They're both still getting better. They both just made all NBA. Um, they are the ideal prototypical wing, two-way wings. They're extremely versatile that you want on a basketball team in 2023. So the Celtics are in an ideal situation going forward with them, but they're also extremely expensive. And as I said earlier, Jalen is, he qualifies for a Supermax extension that's like $295 million over five years. And you don't really have any options or resources to replace that type of production. So paying Tatum his Supermax extension the following summer, which is like 300 something million over five years. And then Jalen Brown on a deal that like that type of money is hey, he's earned it, but that type of money is more reserved for Nikola Jokic or Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid, like a franchise carrying um, icon for lack of a better phrase, like someone who can make everyone around them better and when all the chips are down, lead their team to at least uh, a, you know the second round of the playoffs. Jalen Brown isn't really that type of player. So investing as much as they're going to have to in those two will potentially limit their ability to you know, use all these different types of resources that the collective bargain, the new collective bargaining agreement is going to take away because of how costly they are. So that is a bummer for Boston, for sure. But I don't necessarily think you trade 
Jalen Brown, I, I, like I don't even know who you would trade him for. There's a couple names I could throw out there, but it just seems unfeasible to uh, concoct a, a realistic um, package there. So I think you just roll with these two. You make changes around the margins. I would imagine, you know, you mentioned Joe Missoula at the top. I would imagine that this could be, you know, game four could be his last game as head coach of the Boston Celtics. That should not surprise anyone through no fault of his own necessarily. I thought he did a fine job as a first year head coach in a really difficult spot, but there are a lot of attractive proven head coaches on the market. Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, Frank Vogel, uh, who has Boston ties. So I think that that is more the more likely route you go if you're going to make a big change if you're the Celtics than breaking up the Jays. Yeah, and it's like when I close my eyes and I see the highest paid player in the NBA and then you check and you see it's Nikola Jokic, that checks out. But if you close your eyes and that answer is Jalen Brown, maybe the math doesn't go one-to-one there. So maybe that's the conversation that can be had later down the road. You mentioned game four. I thought you had a great tweet. I saw this last night. Uh, Do we have to play game fours in either of these series? (laughs) I think that was a very fair and open-ended question. Um, But we are playing game four tonight, Tuesday night. We got the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Uh, The Celtics plus one and a half is the odds. Uh, Miami favored in this game what do you expect in game four do we see some fight because a lot of people expected Boston to come out and show that fight in game three and we saw quite the opposite they went down 31 points at one point so what do you expect to see in game four from these two teams man it's so hard to pick Boston after watching game three we know that they will unravel and totally come and become unglued if Miami hits a few tough shots in a row that's what happened in game three and that was basically a must win um but I also like I'm speaking as someone who believes in numbers and believes in the law of averages. And I, I don't know. I just don't think that the Miami Heat can sustain their hot shooting. And one cold night from behind the three point line from a Caleb Martin who basically hasn't missed a three in two <laughs> weeks. Right. Or even Kevin Love, who if he's still in the rotation, I think he's only three for four, but he's baking everything. Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. Um, Gabe Vincent sitting like step back, sidestep threes with a hand in his <laughs> Setting face. Setting career like, really... highs in, in game three of the conference finals. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, just, just wild stuff. So I could totally see the Boston Celtics who pretty much everyone I know picked them to win this series. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of depth. Um, they have a lot of playoff experience. They've won a lot of playoff games over the past two years in particular with this core that I did not expect them to. I'm thinking about game six back in Milwaukee in the second round, game six this year against the Sixers in the second round. Um, even game seven in that series was a little surprising in how that unfolded. So I, I think like Boston normally has its medal is more, normally mentally tough. And I guess we'll see what happens. But like I, you know, I th- I think I think like what I'm trying to say is like nothing would surprise me in this one game. I don't expect Boston to win the series by any chance. Like I don't think think that that ship has sailed. But uh, winning one game, sure. Like why not? Yeah, and we've never seen a situation in NBA history where both conference finals end in a sweep. So we're on the precipice of that. Is obviously they're both three zero mm-hmm. right now. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I wanted to ask you about the finals odds. So if you look right now from our friends at FanDuel, the Nuggets are minus two ten, the Miami Heat are plus two twenty, the Celtics are plus sixteen hundred. The Lakers plus 4,000. So that kind of you know alludes to the fact that um, the odds makers think that the Western Conference Finals are over. They have a little bit of a sliver of hope maybe for the Boston Celtics. But what do you, th- what do you think about those odds, and do you think Denver should be favored that heavy to win it all now? 
I do. I think the Nuggets are on a mission. I think they have the best player in the world. I think Jamal Murray has been just like out of this galaxy with his shot making over the past couple of games. And I mean, we talk about the Celtics depth, like Denver has a lot of depth. Everyone's complimentary. Everyone knows their role. Uh, They're starting to defend. And I just think like Nikola Jokic is so smart. He's able to figure out any defensive adjustment you want to throw at him. I expect the, uh, I expect the Nuggets to kind of just roll, honestly, whether it's the Celtics, who probably not, but likely the Heat in the finals. I just think Denver is, they've got everything. Um, offensively, they can play in the half court and, and cut you apart. Um, and, uh, they love getting out in transition. They're super effective at that. Great defensive rebounding team. So I think that, you know, without disrespecting Eric Spolster, who I'm sure will concoct a wonderful game plan, uh, Nikola Jokic has seen everything. He's defeated everything. And short of this level shot making from the Heat, which if they were to sustain that for two straight rounds, I, I mean, sure, give them like raise a banner. That would be amazing. It would, it would be totally unprecedented. But I think Nikola Jokic at the end of the day, his offensive efficiency and the way he's able to set everybody up around him and give them uh, chances to succeed. I, I just don't see anyone beating that team right now. Yeah, it's kind of funny with Denver and Miami. We keep hearing team basketball. Everyone's talking about team basketball, but it really comes down to these transcendent stars, right? And they do it same but different, right? They, they do it at different spots on the floor. They do it in different ways in the way that they contribute, but they are still winning and leading to winning by playing at a high level, at an elite level. So I wanted to ask you about playoff perspectives, right? How how players get, you know, their their viewpoints or vantage points from the people change with the playoff run. We saw it with Giannis, right? Everyone was saying that he was a bum and that he shouldn't have won these MVPs, <laughs> and then he goes and wins the finals MVP, and we, we see all, you know, the conversations change. He's the best player in the world. I want to ask you first about Jokic. So how has the perspective, this playoff run, changed his perspective around the league with people looking you know, at the Denver Nuggets and at him in particular? Sure. I think the number one thing that people were skeptical of is could he hold up on the defensive end? And I think he's certainly answered that bell, uh, particularly in round two against the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And I mean, Devin Booker basically did not miss a jump shot in that series, or at least the first five games of that series. And I thought that the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, who's getting hunted and pick and rolls left and right, really did a great job. And I mean, even in this series right now, um, we saw a ton of LeBron, Anthony Davis pick and roll, and Jokic stood up fine. I mean, he's a really smart defender. He moves, I think, a little faster than people think. He understands angles, super smart on both ends. And he's the best defensive rebounder in the league, which I think also is a little... Um, underrated about his game. So, like, when the shot goes up, there's a good chance he's going to get the board and he's going to push and it's going to lead to a good shot for Denver. So, he's not an elite rim protector, of course. He's not exactly switching out on an island and and locking people up. That's not his game. But I think that he's he's responded in a way to the criticism of his, of his defense that have kind of lingered all season long and lingered ever since they were eliminated by the Golden State Warriors in last year's postseason. He's been pretty good, or at least good enough, on that side of the ball. So I think that that's the number one way that his 
how he's perceived has shifted. Yeah, and there's also like uh, not a world where we can make many Steph Curry, Jokic comps, but I think one of the comps that I like with both those guys is they may be you know viewed as defensive liabilities at times, but they also they have they have a, a knack for getting deflections. We saw late mm-hmm. in Game Three, he get you know Jokic gets a big steal on LeBron James when he brings the ball down. Like they're very active hands, and they very they have kind of this savvy on defense where they're great team defensive players. They might not be great ISO defensive players, but they have an right. impact with the team. So that's something to point out um so we talked about Jokic. what about jimmy butler um because america i i kind of call him america's sweetheart i know meg ryan has left that uh you know that belt <laughs> open for someone and i think jimmy butler is america's sweetheart and they everyone seems to be fawning over this guy how is it happening again you know for me personally like nothing has changed with how <laughs> i perceive jimmy butler like this is a five-time all-nba player he had a 40-point triple-double and a 35-point triple-double in the bubble in the NBA finals. I don't know if people remember that, but it was like, I think I know the meme of him hanging over the apron, just totally exhausted and spent in that series is it lingers to this day, but his performance in that series where he was also defending LeBron James, a much better version of the LeBron that we're seeing right now um, for four quarters. Like he, he was amazing um, throughout that run. And I don't think I necessarily expected him to just explode for what did he have in round one um, in that one game, like 56 points or something like that. Like, that's amazing. His jump shooting has been incredible. But through and through, like, he is one of the premier two-way players in the league. He will probably, if not definitely, be inducted into the Hall of Fame someday. He's a wonderful story. And if anything has surprised me, that I think could shift the perception of him a little bit is like he started his career under Tom Thibodeau, played a ton of minutes on the Chicago Bulls, was basically ran into the ground as Tibbs does to some guys. And the fact that he's still doing this at this level, at this age, and seemingly getting better kind of boggles the mind. I don't really understand it, but he is an all-time irritant. He is an (laughs) all-time... like brilliant player. He always takes what the defense gives. He rarely forces anything. He's very simple and methodical in how he plays. If you watch him hunt Derek White and Grant Williams over and over and over again, he's not like flashy about how he does it. He just gets to his spots, rises and knocks down the shot or draws a foul. So he's brilliant. He's amazing. Um, I kind of expected this from him. Uh, I didn't expect him to be up 3-0 in the series, but I never expected, I don't, I don't not expect him to be dominant when he steps on a basketball court and think that he's the best player in any series because by the end of it, he very well could be. Yeah. And I liked the, uh, someone was asking him about the playoff Jimmy nickname. And he was like, the reason I like the playoffs is because we have to play basketball. And I thought that was a, you know, <laughs> it's a very simple answer, but it's a very true answer, right? I mean, in the NBA regular season, there's kind of some games where things are a little nonchalant, but in the NBA, um, you know, playoffs, obviously the, the possession matter the matchups matter um the making the right play matters at a higher level and i feel like jimmy butler just kind of perfectly folds into that now this episode is brought to you by hotels.com if you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel we're all over the place sometimes you know we're in florida we'll be in new york you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Now let's look ahead to free agency because, you know, we that's what the NBA loves. We love talking about free agents. Um, this is a good one. Uh, who do you trust more in free agency if you're uh, trying to to help get your franchise to that next level? we got two elite talents. you got James Harden and Kyrie Irving out there um, between those two. And I know that's a tough question, but just forecasting a little bit, which one probably holds more value in the marketplace right now between Harden and Kyrie? I would have to go with Harden because... I mean, we just saw we saw him obviously flame out um, in Game Six of that series or Game Seven of that series against the Celtics, and had a few duds along the way. But we also saw his brilliance. We saw him um, ISO hunting, getting to the step back, getting to the free throw line, setting guys up for wide open corner threes, really looking like the guy who was an MVP candidate for so long with the Houston Rockets, and was amazing. I don't necessarily think paying him the max over four years is a good idea at his age and given how many minutes he's played, but I guess some team out there, i.e. the Houston Rockets, are interested in doing that, so good luck to them. Um, but like, you could almost say any player in the NBA over Kyrie Irving in terms of like who's the better reliable choice going forward as a free agent signing, and I would probably go with that player. Um, Kyrie, I just, you know, I don't even know what else there is to say about if you've been following the NBA for the past four or five years, uh, you kind of know what it is and what to expect from him. And I, you know, I, I only he knows where he's going next. He's obviously a free agent. He could resign with Dallas. He could go to the Los Angeles Lakers. He could, you know, 
take a veteran minimum and sign with the Miami Heat. I don't know what he's going to do. Nobody does. Um, but uh, yeah, to answer your question, I would go with Harden by the uh, slimmest of margins. Yeah, and I will say it feels like D'Angelo Russell knows what Kyrie's going to do based on his play lately. So <laughs> we, we can we can read between the lines there. Um, I wanted to ask you about two lesser known guys that are going to hit the market as well. Austin Reeves and Gabe Vincent. We talked about how incredible Vincent has been. Austin Reeves has also been incredible. He's playing like a, a star for this Lakers team. He's kind of helping keep them in game. So both those guys hit the market um which one has more upside do you think is it austin reeves or is it gabe vincent i'd have to go austin reeves i think just his size his ability on both ends um he's way more of a uh obviously a pick and roll playmaker gabe vincent is more of like i know he plays the point guard position but that's not really his skill set or his strength he's just a dead eye shooter and as we talked about like he's shooting the crap out of the ball <laughs> right. in this series. Um, but Austin Reeves, who also has been lights out from behind the three point line um, in this series and in this postseason, he just knows how to set guys up. He has a point guard's brain. And when you have that in a body as big as his that loves contact, loves to get to the free throw line, knows how to juke guys, ball fakes, shoulder fakes, um, understands angles, just super smart, gets to his spots. And you know, I still think that there's more meat on the bone for him, given his age and given his experience level in the league. And there have been games where, you know, he's teammates with LeBron James and he's the primary ball handler in crunch time, which I never thought I would see before LeBron retired in a playoff game, let alone how long that this run has been for the Lakers. But he's been basically their best pick and roll playmaker, to be honest. And that is absolutely wild. So there's... Uh, a few teams out there I can think of that will try to pry him from L.A. this summer. Yeah, for when, sure. And when you mentioned his skill set, I mean, it weirdly kind of re resembles Luka at some level. When you talk about just his ability to play make out of the pick and roll, which is a very, very high praise for someone like Austin Reeves. I think that's a good pick. Um, a couple more questions before I let you go, Michael. The more appealing free agent coach right now, is it Bud, who just won a championship in 2021, or is it the coach that he went up against in that finals, Monty Williams? Which one would you take off the board? That's a really good question, and I would have to know which team we're talking about. That's a good point. To we hire need some, these guys. We need some content. Let's <laughs> let, let's say um, let's say the Boston Celtics. Like, uh, not not to put Joe Joe Mazzulla out on the curb, but let's just right. say hypothetically that were to happen, and they have Bud and they have Monty come in. Which one fits better for that system? Uh, that's a that's a fascinating uh, situation. I I think that both are really high level, and you know game strategy adjustments that well, Bud has been a little tricky with adjustments, but Bud, when he was with the Atlanta Hawks was kind of next level in how he saw the game and did a lot of He's a very creative coach. I feel like the, yes. the kind of the jokes online have kind of marred the fact that he's a very creative basketball mind. So yeah, let's just get that, get out in front of that for Bud. Pero Antic, I can't even remember if I'm pronouncing his name right, but playing him five out against Roy Hibbert and the Indiana Pacers for all everyone who remembers that series from 2015 or whatever it was. Uh, just a really smart mind. And I think that he was a little, uh, I don't know if limited is the right word, but he had restraints and he was rigid with his because of his personnel in Milwaukee for a reason. I think if he were in Boston, you would see them do a lot of really interesting things on both ends of the court. You would see a lot. I mean, they switch a ton as it is, but you would see even more of that. You'd see them play smaller more often, potentially. And uh, you'd see more variance with their offense. And right now, Boston, you're, as we're seeing, you know, make or miss league, uh, Boston shooting 29% in this 
series against the Heat and they don't really have a plan B. And uh, that's kind of been their undoing. I think Monty Williams is a wonderful tactician as well. And uh, obviously a master motivator connects with his players um, at a high level and went to the finals, was up 2-0 in that series, I believe, could add it, could have a championship. I think both are wonderful. Honestly, it's, it's like we're splitting hairs. I think the Celtics, given how good they already are, I think would potentially lean towards Monty um, because of how he, I think he could relate to their players and their talent and unlocking them and, um, and they're, and then just having personalities click a little bit better. Uh, but I don't think you could go wrong. Honestly, both are great coaches. Yeah. And then, like you said, you got Frank Vogel who won a championship in 2020. Mm-hmm. He'll probably get an interview. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if Nick nurse gets an interview at this rate, JJ Redick will probably get an interview. So there will be a lot of names that'll be thrown into the hat there. Uh, if that job opens up because there's a lot of talent in the building there in Boston, he is the great Michael Pina. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can we find all your amazing work? The ringer.com, Tate. You know what it is. There you go. There you go. There you have it. <laughs> Michael Pina, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, there you have it. The Ringers, Michael Pina coming on, giving us everything we need to know about the NBA playoffs. Love having him. Before we get out of here, I want to give you this week's through the ringer parlay, the TTR parlay. We'll see what happens with this. Last time didn't go so great, so we'll do our best here. But again, if you wanted to throw this out there, make this happen, go to FanDuel Sportsbook. You can get these odds. Um, NBA team over under um, in this one is going to be the Heat minus one and a half in game four. The player prop we're going to take is Jimmy Butler over 27 and a half points. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think Jimmy might get his teammates involved, but I like it. For, this, for these purposes, we'll take it. Also, we're going to take Jason Tatum over 30 and a half points. This is his last dish effort, makes things happen, puts up a lot of shots. If you have the FGAs in front of you, maybe take Jason Tatum over 20 and a half shots as well. But if you take that bet, if you take that parlay, if you bet $10, you will win $54.89. So there you go. That is the Through the Ringer parlay of the day. Again, thank you to Michael Pina for coming on the show and joining Through the Ringer. We got a big jam-packed show on Thursday. We have the Ringer's Brian Curtis coming on the show to talk about the commentating in the NBA playoffs. We're also going to have our guy Van Lathan come on and do some uh, prop culture with us and forecast some of the biggest stories right now in basketball as well. Again, this has been Through the Ringer. Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it, and we will see you on Thursday. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.